right, welcome back everyone to another great episode of Classic Elder Scrolls. Today's record date is Middas, the twelfth of evening star. And this is Classic, brought to you by the Quest Gaming Network, available for download on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and QuestGamingNetwork.com. I am your host and fellow Tamrielic Traveler, Evarwin, and I am joined by the man who ordered Throngar to kill the inventor of chunky peanut butter, the one, the only, Mike, the Tamrielic Historian. You're having such a bad morn, Das? That you think it's mid-dust, and you think I would kill somebody who makes chunky peanut butter. Now, maybe the creamy peanut butter, because that one sticks to the roof of my mouth, and I can't stand that one. But oh. the chunky? Oh, chunky's everything. Oh, Mike. Oh, Mike. <laughs> oh, no. I, I'm so disappointed. Oh, no. Chunky's <laughs> <laughs> not a killer. He's a lover. Yeah, no. He, he's a killer, too. <laughs> How you doing, Mike? Only if you're an orc. I'm doing good. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, yeah, hanging out. Uh, yeah, it was a nice weekend. Got some Christmas cookies done. You know, got my butt to the gym because I uh, had my health thing done. And they're like, yeah, you need to lose some weight. I'm like, damn it. Damn it. That again. Damn it huh? means I got to start running again. God. I, I ran for so many years, I thought I was done with that shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, you and me both, actually. I got to... Start jogging myself again. Um, but, yeah. but hey, run, running, <laughs> running is a thing that happens pretty much all over the world. And it happens, it happens here as well in Canada, where Canada does not actually have igloos. But they do have Mark, and we think that's still a win for Canada. Mark, the Sonarist. It's great to be here. Now, at the same time, we don't have igloos because we're still waiting for the temperature to go out. And frankly, we've as a result, we've had to tear down our igloos to have ice in order to leave our Eldoyan. Ah. Uh, I thought you put the ice in your uh, Canadian club whiskey. Well, and that's why yeah. you don't have igloos anymore. Okay, uh, well, look, Mike, we're, we're trying not to completely advertise that we're all raging alcoholics up here. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's not, nothing else to do when it's, you know, dark from 3 o'clock until, you know, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Well, five in the afternoon, and that's in the summer. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then it's and then it's Molson Ice time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when is it Molson Ice time? How are they going to deal with that? You know, cold filtered, you know, Molson Ice, and all the other ones. If you don't have cold anymore up there, I I, I don't know. Uh, my, my guess is that we'll all burst into flames. No, you know, that's what happens to me during the summer. <laughs> <laughs> all right, folks. Well, listen, we're uh, we've got a great show ahead for for everyone here. Um, we are talking all about dragon breaks, and um, man, it's it's really going to be a, this is going to be a fun one. Uh, so so buckle up, you're probably about to learn some things that um, you may not have ever considered before in Elder Scrolls uh, regarding the uh, the timeline and the canon. Very very interesting show up for you ahead. But first, Mark, um, but, and of course we're in we're in Daggerfall too. If you are um, watching us on on YouTube, or maybe you can hear some per, uh, chirping birds in the background on your podcast. So get ready for for uh, a, a good old uh, wall humping good time here in Daggerfall. Mark, why don't you tell everyone uh, where they can reach us and what exactly we're going to be doing today? Well, if they want to watch us live, they can do so right here on. Uh, 
twitch.tv slash slash quest gaming network uh they can find us uh they can sorry they can email us at elder scrolls off the record at gmail.com and they can find us and all the great shows that we do on the web at questgamingnetwork.com and of course uh people use social media nowadays so if they use twitter they can find us at elder scrolls otr we're on facebook at facebook.com slash questgamingnetwork and we're on google at google.com slash plus sign questgamingnetwork and uh well as you said today we are in daggerfall in the second elder scrolls game uh, we are going, uh, our discussion topic is multiple realities in the Elder Scrolls or how to canonize all the possible choices made in the game. Uh, the history of will handle the metaphysics of time and space. It's all kind of wibbly wobbly after all. And the Sonaris archives will delve into the fact that it's the end of the game world as we know it. But plus there's a fast question of the week. And I feel tip. fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I don't see a problem with that. That's kind of what I was going for. Um, right, we've got the fast question of the week, the crafting table, uh, a this week's Tamrielic holidays, a gameplay challenge of the week, and some emails. So, uh, yes. First of all, we'd like to uh, thank all of our sponsors uh, who have sponsored our show in part today, such as TweakedAudio.com, Amazon.com, and of course Audible. And all of our great uh, chat room listeners who are in the chat room right uh, right now at twitch.tv slash quest gaming network. Uh, Two Moons Horoscope is coming up right now by our friend, the one, the only, the prognosticating Khajiit, Jezeldar. Ah, thank you. The 12th of evening star. This one is still holidaying in Oridan. It is quite a lovely place. The trees of silver with crimson and copper leaves, the land filled with animals and birds, and the ocean never more than a few hours' walk. All would be much better if Khajiit were the prominent people of the isle, and the haughty Almer were not there. One tried to pin a crime on this one, but my new friend Razumdar changed the queen's mind and this topic. But we are here to learn of the future, right? This one should have listened better to... His own prognostications. Maybe he would not have gotten in trouble. Uh-oh. Nah, who am I kidding? Shiny things in my pocket. You know, see nothing. <laughs> so let us look upon the stars and see what we can expect for the remainder of the year. The star of evening star is Kenareth. Her wind blows a ship where it will and clears the deserts of signs of passing. She will hold her place in the sky for the remainder of the month. Kenareth's effects are very strong and unpredictable. She forms a trine with Mara, and in opposition to Alkash. This forms a stable relationship, but with Alkash, time will heal all hurts. Changes that are made based on experience are gained over a long time. They bring a fuller life and wisdom. So, my friend, until our paths cross again, may warm sands be in your future. <laughs> I love it. Every single time, Mike, every single time we introduce Jazadar, I get, I get, ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> every time. And, and I mean, it's, it's a normal thing. Like, you know, Jazadar should say that, but it's just it, the way you do it. It's, it's just hilarious every time. I love it. Um, I, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, I, I can't care. I can't com- 
remotely get close to doing a proper Khajiit voice. You guys, you guys are just great at it. Well, one of the things I have to write it fully out. Like if I have to do this off the top of my head, like it is just complete and utter like horrible because it's like, you know, he doesn't say I or me. He, you know, he says this one for everything. It is this one. This one. So, yeah. You know, <laughs> so you got to make sure that like all the, the, pronouns are like completely and totally garbage English to begin with to make sure that uh, you don't screw up and everything is maintained. Uh, and I just saw somebody pop into our chat room that we have to make sure that people know she's got a birthday coming up. Uh-oh. Is that uh, Mini Shrunken Liz? No, it's regular Liz, not Mini Shrunken Liz. Oh, all right. Well, we don't care about her. We like Mini Shrunken <laughs> <laughs> That Mini Shrunken Liz bit. Holy God, that went over like gangbusters. <laughs> I thought it was a lead balloon, but hey. <laughs> oh, man. No, everyone loved that, Mike. That was that was hilarious. And uh, Liz, by the how way, did, it was all Mike's how fault. Did, how did Liz feel about that? But she liked it. She sent me a text like the next day, and she was like, oh, my God, I love mini shrunken Liz. <laughs> <laughs> and I can take screenshots of that, Liz, if you feel like denying that. So. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, just yeah, we want to wish her a happy birthday because I don't think we're going to have an ESOTR before her birthday comes. So we'll wish her a happy birthday after her birthday, but this is before her birthday. Yeah, that's right. So let's let's sing her happy birthday, folks. And a one, and a two, and a... we're not happy act- birthday. Really, guys? Really? To you. You're actually really. This one do says that. it. Oh my happy god! Birthday happy birthday to you. you. Someone this stop one says this. It. <laughs> Happy birthday, birthday dear, Mr. Slabo, from this one and many more. <laughs> Happy birthday from Jazzledar. From Jazzledar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, let's stick with Mike on this one because we've got this week in Tamrielic holidays, which we've already begun. One of our Tamrielic holidays is going to be Empress's Day, which is Liz's birthday in in Cyrodiil. <laughs> <laughs> so. This week, we only have one this week, but we have a whole bunch coming up in the very near future. So tune in next week for a huge number of them. Yeah. But this week, we have Northwind's Prayer, Evening Star the 15th. Evening Star, the 15th of Evening Star, a holiday reverently observed by the temples as Northwind's Prayer. It is a thanksgiving to the gods for a good harvest and a mild winter. Some years, like this one, the harvest was not particularly good and the winter unseasonably harsh in Stormhaven. But, as the Duke of Alcare is fond of saying, it could be much worse. The temples offer all their services, blessings, curings, healings, for half the donations usually requested. Okay. Again, um, Northwind's Prayer, one of those holidays that, you know, just probably never going to get represented in Elder Scrolls Online, but... You could see how, you know, even at the very end here, uh, it says temples offer all their services, blessings, caring, healing for half the donation usually requested. This is one of those this is one of those holidays where I, I've I've always said that, um, you know, a, a holiday in Tamriel can can very easily be done, even if they don't, you know, create new assets in the, in the game. They could just say, hey, you know what? It's, you know, quote unquote, North Winds Prayer. You know what, guys? double xp week and uh all the stuff the npcs give you it's going to be like half off or, or something as per, well they could do like half off of like remainder of stuff in the crown store like older things that right. you know are still on there for that day only like you can only buy it that day for half off and it goes back up to normal price the next day right but i you mean know. i would like to see something more other than just you know like a crown store thing um 
for for a holiday. But yes, I, I agree with that too. I think because I think that would be real easy. You know, you do a campaign thing, you know, a couple Twitter tweets, some emails. You know, remember Northwind's prayer is Wednesday. You know, make sure you stop in to you log into game double XP on Wednesday only, and you know half off of items in the Crown Store, you know, or one item in the Crown Store, or something like that. You know, I found a Khajiit suit and, and uh, Daggerfall. <laughs> I swear to God, look, it says right here, you'll see in a second, it says Khajiit suit. I'm gonna. I'm just going to snatch this. I'm taking this right now. Khajiit um, suit, condition new, worth 10 gold. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder weird. if that uh, the, the confessions of a, a Khajiit skin trader, or fur trader, is the one who sold it. Yeah, yeah it might be. <laughs> um, all right, well, before we, uh, before we move on, we do have something quick we'd like to mention. Uh, Mike, if you don't mind. So, something quick to mention. Zoss gave us a first look and preliminary details this week on the upcoming update, Homestead. They released a video and an article covering many of the early details from the Elder Scrolls Online news release. There's no place like home after a long day of adventuring. Homestead, the Elder Scrolls Online player housing system, is coming in February 2017. Learn what you can expect at launch including how many houses there will be, how to get them, and details about home decorating and furniture crafting. The gang over at ESCOTR will be discussing the finer points of the update in our next episode, so be sure to be there to check that out. Additionally, this week, Bethesda is running a holiday sale on swag. Do you have an ugly sweater party to go to? You could be wearing a Fallout-themed Christmas sweater. Oh, boy. Decorate the tree. Decorate the tree with glass ornaments from Skyrim or Fallout. Get the kids Doom, the board game, or for that special someone, Skyrim-inspired jewelry. Uh, Mark, you thinking about getting any of that stuff? Uh, not at the moment, I'm afraid. Actually, for uh, for Black Friday, um, it's part of my Christmas gift. Uh, my parents picked up the um, the ESO satchel. The, the leather satchel that they've got on the Bethesda mm, store. Yeah, the man bag. Yeah, the man bag. So, got that coming in. I'm jealous. I want that. I need I need a satchel replacement. I wish it was just slightly bigger because I don't think it's big enough to hold my laptop and all my other teaching stuff. <laughs> oh, really? Mm-hmm. It's 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 not. I don't know. I don't have the dimensions, but I don't think it. From the looks of it, it didn't look it, like it was as big cute. as the one I currently have. Oh, okay. Wow. All right. Well, it's good to know that, I suppose. It's probably one of those things where it's, you know, good for a couple of a couple of books here and there for for kids and Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um okay, so let's um we've got a lot to talk about. But uh, I want to kind of jump into our gameplay first. Um and and with that, I just want to remind everyone uh the uh the challenge Call it this week's challenge, but it really is kind of like a bi-weekly challenge because we we issue it on on ESOTR and kind of talk about it and just sort of reinforce what it is on on classic. Um, but you know, I digress. Anyway, uh, the challenge given last week still holds uh, again for this week. Uh, we're getting some nice emails on this as well. Please send your emails uh, for this challenge at elderscrollsofftherecord at gmail.com. And of course, if you tweet at us at uh, at elderscrollsotr. We'll be happy to retweet you and uh, and you know post that as well. It's, it's always great to get your feedback on these challenges. Uh, don't forget the challenge is in Skyrim Special Edition. Get the Thief achievement. Pick fifty locks 
and pick 50 pockets. Now, you can do this in Skyrim if you don't actually have the achievement. Um, and that goes for all of the achieve, uh, all of the challenges that we do for, for Skyrim Special Edition. Um, but, you know, we know that a lot of people are still playing um, the Special Edition version of Skyrim. So we like to... Uh, we're going to be issuing challenges, you know, solely for Skyrim for... Probably into the... Probably into the new year, I would say. For for a while. For a while. Yeah, it's yet. still pretty fresh. So. Yeah. I would say so. I'd say so. Um, I found out that uh, Skyrim Special Edition is actually up for um, Remastered Game of the Year. Nice. Yeah. Though I'm mm -hmm. not sure. I forgot who it was that, was, that, that had that category. Uh, I keep getting bombarded by all of these things. You know, make sure you go and vote, you know, for this one and that one. And, you know, yeah. you can vote daily. You can vote twice a day. Vote from different IPs. It's like, you know. You think that's legit? You think that's legitimate? Like, uh, like, like a proper sort of award category, a remaster award? Well, I think, especially nowadays, I think so. Because, like, um, you know, I, I started noticing this on the iPad uh, recently. Uh, last year, I picked up Mist. And I picked up uh, the seventh guest. Uh, where I picked up this year, Bald Baldur's Gate and Icewind Dale, and now Skyrim Remastered. Uh, so you know the fact that they're updating these games to run on newer systems and bring it to a new generation of RPGers, uh, I think is you know a, a fair category um, to have. You know to bring it, you know the games that you know up to date, uh, up to current platform capabilities. Uh, I think is, you know, a, a decent category to have. Yeah. Um, okay. Especially if Skyrim does actually go to the new Nintendo one next year. Oh, yeah, the Nintendo Switch? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd still like to see some Pokemon games come to the i to the iPhone, though. So I don't want to buy a, D, a, a DS to play them. <laughs> well, uh, you never know. It, it seems like uh, Nintendo is... is um, you know, considering some things that it had never considered before, so you know, maybe, maybe it will. I yeah, because I know a couple of, of I know a couple old Pokemon games were on that list too. So yeah, I'm glad to I'm glad to see what they're them embracing, seemingly embracing um, third party uh, software, third party games on their on their Nintendo Switch. Um, yeah, I've been very, very, very upset with Nintendo for quite a long time, almost. I don't know, almost 15 years at this point. Um, partly because they just refused to, to do this and, and many, many other things uh, as well. Um, and it seems like hopefully with this, the Nintendo Switch, they're, they're looking to finally take that 15-year-old that feedback that, that Nintendo fans who are growing older are, 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 have been giving them. <laughs> well, part of the reason I think that is, is um, the, the Wii U, um, because it didn't sell well, they didn't. They pretty much had no third-party support, or very, very little. And as a result, no, because there's no third-party games. There's very few game. You know, there were very few games people were getting excited about. So the console was didn't sell even more, which meant that even less. You know, there was less incentive. So I think that for this one, they've realized: okay, if we really want the console to be successful, we need to have third-party support. And well, what's a good game that's super popular that we could show? You can run this in the newest version of it. Let's show off Skyrim. Right. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, well, uh, interesting uh, how that how that might might be. But um, let's uh, yeah. let's jump back into gameplay. Let's not get too far off the subject here. Um, Mark, we haven't really been hearing much from you uh, since we started uh, quite yet. What, what what have you been doing in in Tamriel lately? Uh, in Tamriel, I have begun to go through the Dawn Guard um, to, uh, through the Dawn the Dawn Guard quest line. Um, and I've been, you know, sort of messing around, going back and forth. I picked up Serana and am now going to go find uh, the the Moth Priest, find out, uh, and, and, you know, just continue that. But I have to say, a lot of it has actually been me more spending time um, messing around with Frostfall and I-Needs instead. Uh, I needs introduces the requirement that your character eat, sleep, and uh, drink in order to survive, whereas Frostfall and the camping uh, and campfire um, introduce the need to pay attention to how cold you are, how wet you are, your exposure, what the weather is going to be. And no matter where I go, I actually end up basically making all these plans for, okay, I'm going to get here. I've got three days worth of food. I've got four, three days worth of water. I've got these spells. <laughs> you know, that type of thing. And it, it very much changes how it go, how the game works when, um, for example, when I was heading up to um, Dark Falls... The barrow where uh, the, the the ruins um, where Serana is is found, Dark Falls something I think it is. It's right next to the Vigilance um, burned down base. Well, it's freezing up there, so basically I got to the base, had to set up camp to warm myself, and then halfway up the mountain, I started a, a blizzard started, and I had to basically run the rest of the way to keep my character from freezing to death on the way since climbing a free mountain in the middle of a blizzard. <laughs> and it, it really does change how the game plays, especially when you are talking about being that far north in Skyrim. Because when you are literally at the the nor you know the northern half where there is snow it really does become the you know you have to approach things very carefully make sure you're carrying as you know whatever you'll need to survive because if you don't have the kindling and the wood and everything that you will need for a campfire you will freeze to death very quickly mm. i really think that that should have been like the hard mode or the legendary mode in skyrim because you face skyrim you don't face you know the nords or you don't face the Imperials or, you know, the Stormcloaks or the Dragons. You face Skyrim, and Skyrim will kick your ass. Oh, you yeah. don't have clothes, you don't have fire, you don't have food, because you will freeze out there, just like all the rest of those guys up by uh, Winterhold. Y years and years ago, um, before <laughs> I was trying out... Uh, I, I attempted to try out some of uh, Frostfall in one of its earlier editions. Uh, just... <laughs> Sorry, in one of its earlier editions um, on or original Skyrim. And computer could not handle it for more than 20 minutes, you know, like an hour at a time. Um, which is why it died recently. Even then, it could barely handle it. Anyway, uh, at one point, I was in Solstheim. I was right at the northern tip of the island. 
And I've been going from ice flow to ice flow, hopping along them. And I then got to this one part where I realized, crap, to get where I need to go, I need to get onto, I need to get around that corner. But there's there's no ice flow that I can hop onto. And it's too far for me to do like a whirlwind sprint over to it. And I actually paused and found myself considering, do I think that I can jump in the water, swim over there, and get onto the ice flow and get a fire started before I freeze to death? (laughs) Wow. And I was actually successful in it. And it was one of those very... um, it was a very interesting little little moment in the game because it it was the first time I'd actually stopped and like I'm in the freezing north and I'm about to jump in ice water. This would kill me normally, and it actually had me pause and like, is this worth it? Right. I'm it's... sure that my character's response was, no, this was not worth it. <laughs> no, don't do this ever again. Yeah, it's funny to to you know play a game that. You know and love so so well. You know maybe we're not you know savvy enough to recall you know random random dungeons at the top of our our head, but um, you know I think each of us here have have you know at least at least at least a thousand to fifteen hundred hours logged into the game. It's a game we know and love uh, very very well, and, and to be given um, a mod or or to get a mod that gives us a chance to sort of play the game. In, in a way that we've never played it before and be given challenges to things that were, you know, currently uh, or, or before a a, um, a non-issue and a non-thought is, uh, it's quite remarkable, actually. <laughs> and I, I think sort of cements um, part of the reason as to why modding, even in, especially in Elder Scrolls, is um, such a beloved thing for... Uh, for vi- for gaming and, and for the Elder Scrolls series too, it really really does have that effect, and um, I think Mark's story um, really really illustrates that. Um, let's move on to Mike. What uh, what have you been doing in Tamriel lately? So in Skyrim, I have been walking around trying to uh, bump off enough people for the Dark Brotherhood. So I finally made my way back up to Windhelm and uh, completed the. Uh, bump off the one guy for uh, the Dark Brotherhood there where you, you know, the Jilted Lover. Um, and so you go into the the, um, the the Dwemer Ruin. He's there with his cronies. You, you kill off all of those guys. You light the floor on fire. You hit him with an arrow tainted with the poison. Over and done with. You're out of there, right? Right. And then I clicked on the, uh, the door and went into the actual deeper dungeon. Uh, to collect soul gems and spent a while in there. Came out uh, after quite a number of battles and went over to uh, Windhelm going, okay, now I have to go kill the the mother-in-law who was, or the the mother of the young woman who uh, was causing all the problems in the first place that started all of this. And uh, I get in there and it starts the Blood on the Ice quest. And I'm like, oh no, I hate this quest. Because if it bugs at all, you're done for. You have, you know, you're gonna re- have to restart the whole game, yeah, and and you're screwed. Yeah, it was the the most buggy quest in all of the entire uh, original Skyrim release. 
Well, I am happy to report that it seems like they actually took that on and dealt with uh, Blood on the Ice for the remaster. So I went through it smooth as butter. Now, he came out, he killed the elf in the, the, the stone quarter, chased him back to the house, broke into the house, killed him in the house, told the Jarl's right-hand man who he was, got the reward. It was like, holy crap. Wow. You know, it was, you know, no bugs, no, you know, having to restart the quest. Because I have been, a, I always avoid Windhelm because I'm terrified that it's going to bug out and I'm not going to be able to play any more of the game. Because right. it pretty much locks down Windhelm from actually being playable at points because everybody's stuck in that stupid loop. So. I remember you know, funny that. Thing is, hmm. oh, go ahead. No, no, go, go ahead, ahead, Mark. I was going to say, funny thing is, I've I've never had that problem with that quest. The biggest problem I had was my very very first time playing through. Um, I ended up with the Necromancer's amulet basically stuck and useless in my inventory, and that was it. Because yeah. I picked it up from his body after, like I'd given it back to him, and then it, like basically when I when I got it back, it was that was the end of it. Yeah, because you're you're the only way to get rid of it is to sell it to um, was it Calsalmo? No, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, the curiosities. Uh, at, ooh, holy cow, Barwin. <laughs> uh, to sell it to him, you know, for five hundred gold pieces. That's the only way it comes out of your inventory. Um, but, uh, you know, otherwise you're stuck with that stupid amulet for the rest of the game, and, you know, it doesn't do anything. The uh, Temple of Kinnereth here is uh, <clears throat> quite this sight. The winds are blowing in Kinnereth, it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. All right, folks. Um, all right, let's uh, let, I'm sort of eager to move on to to some of the other things that we want to we want to talk about. Um. We've got a really great discussion topic here that that um, I've been kind of excited about since um, since I read this earlier. Um, so so Mike, uh, kudos to you for for coming up with this one. Uh, most people came to the Elder Scrolls franchises, you know, as as role playing enthusiasts. You know, games like AD and D, Pool of Radiance, and War of the Lance, Legend of Zelda games, and the Ultima series were contemporaries of Elder Scrolls Arena. AD&D, Baldur's Gate, Icewind Dale were contemporary for Elder Scrolls II, Daggerfall. And all of these games had many of the tropes of a role-playing experience. And they're incorporated into the games. Things like leveling, class structure, and of course monsters. Um, one of the most important aspects of any RPG is choices available to the player. In tabletop games, choices are limited by your imagination and your Tungent Master's patience, of course. But in game mechanics and dialogue options, they constrain the player to, to you know, a limited, sometimes just one choice. The Dragon Break dialogue, uh, the, the Dragon Break, known as the Warp in the West in Elder Scrolls II, is the ultimate expression of RPG choice at the time. In the end, a number of possible correct endings are available based on choices the player makes. So the question is, where else do we feel the series could have added more RPG choice elements? And where did they do a good job with the, with the current games? Of course, finally, what kind of RPG choices would we hope to see in future games as well? So let's, um, as usual, uh, let's kind of go around the table here in a, in a round table format style. And, and let's pick up with Mike on this. So 
Um, where where else do you feel the series could have added more RPG elements? What they do a good job with, and in the future of Elder Scrolls, what sort of RPG choices do you hope to see in the future? So the one that the the choice elements that I'm always very I, I wish that they had done a better job with is giving you double choices. Uh, so what do I mean? So like in Skyrim, you can decide to join the Dark Brotherhood or destroy the Dark Brotherhood. You can join the Imperials or you can join the uh, the Nords up there in Windhelm with uh, Ulfric, Milk Drinker himself. Um, but like in the rest of the games, like you can't really decide, oh, you know, I'm going to do this Daedric quest or I'm not going to do this Daedric quest. I'm going to do something else and, you know, get rid of this Daedric artifact. Uh, because it's evil you can't decide to destroy the thieves guild in oblivion or skyrim um you know when you join the uh, uh especially like in oblivion because you could theoretically join the necromancers and destroy the uh, mages guild but it doesn't give you that option in skyrim you can join the companions but it would be nice to actually join the silver hands because maybe you don't believe you know that the uh the companions are a honorable choice. Um, so I think that they, they really missed the boat sometimes, but I think it has to do with how big these games already are. And then to add that whole extra line for each and every aspect of the game would make it almost overwhelming. But who knows when the next Elder Scrolls game is coming out and what kind of you know computers it's going to need to run it. So we could see huge quest line chains. And that would be amazing, you know. Hmm. That's true. Mm -hmm. Um, What about you, Mark? Uh, I'm upset that Mike uh, Mike Lydon didn't mention that he also wants to be able to burn down the entire world. (laughs) Because I... This is not your D and D campaign that I'm trying to destroy. <laughs> is that oh, thing? oh, it's just it's just me, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I and, and, and sorry to say, but it doesn't let me get on too many boats. That is true. <laughs> Note to self: put him on boat, set boat on fire. Exactly. <laughs> I don't, I'm okay. surprised I can even get to Solstheim. You know, you have to get on a boat. <laughs> that is a good point. Um. Yeah, no, I, I have to echo uh, Mike with a lot of that. I I would like to see a lot of... Um... Okay, one of my favorite... one of the Two very popular mods for the games are... Um, uh, Live Another Life and Skyrim Unbound. And both of those allow you to basically start the game and should you choose completely ignore the main quest for like i can choose to start the game and i could be playing myself as a noble up in uh solitude i already own proud spire manor and it's already decorated and just i now want to go out and start adventuring or i've got or i own one of that serious cheating owning proud spire manor via oh yeah yeah (laughs) no no like you can do that for like this is it changes how the game starts that's an option. You can also make it that you were fa- you basically uh, were a traveler and bandits attacked and beat you half to death and killed the rest of your caravan. Start. So basically, it's like it, it lets you play the game in different ways. I would actually like to see the game allow for some more less combative options. Like if I want to play 
as a merchant sort of do a bit more to support that uh i like the idea that um uh there's a bard that i sorry there is a mod i have called be a bard that i've been having a lot of fun with which is basically you go around and you can play in the different taverns or for the yarls and they get cat like you get cash you've got a whole bunch a bunch of um so different songs that you can play uh some of them from the game some of them added to it and it all depends like it they change depending if you if you're using a drums or a, a flute or a lute and it's just a great little mod adds some flavor to the game and i've just been having this blast playing with it now i would like to see skyrim uh, and future elder scrolls game encouraging have the options for that type of gameplay it doesn't have to be tied into a major quest line but to have just like the mechanics in there that if i want to just have this other little thing going on that has there's it's not going to get me fame or fortune or murder my foes or blow up the world but just give me that moment to have fun uh, yeah, not, more... not not everything in a game needs to be, um, you know, a, a huge climactic uh, ending. I mean, you know, you kind of can appreciate that in Elder Scrolls Online, where you know you could be walking across the road and uh, you know you 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 see one or two things happening, and and you go to address it, and then that's it. The quest begins and ends with with a single action. Um, tiny little things like that. You, know, you gain experience from, puts a smile on your face, and, and you're often moving about to, you know, where it was you were going in the first place. I do like that about ESO, the the red dialogue option, and especially as an MMO. There is no, oh, let me save and think about this, and you know, see what all the choices give. Mm-hmm. It's it, you click on it, and you know, that's it. You're done. You, there's no going back. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, like uh, I just did one. I'm in East March, and. Uh, yeah, I had to help get the celebration all established. I had to go and find the food and the mead and this and that and the other thing and get a bard to sing. And then, you know, the screen blacks out and you wake up and like people are dead and the bard is missing and they're like, oh my God, what the hell happened? You got to find clues. You know, and come to find out that the bard had a magical loot that put everybody to sleep and then Reeklings came in and like killed people. And you're like, okay, what do you do? Do you free the bard and let him face justice? Or do you, you know, dole out justice on your own and leave him to the Reeklings? You know, and it's like, yeah, uh, you're going to be reekling dinner tonight now, buddy. I'm taking your loot. Bye bye. Mm-hmm. Busy day. Uh, so, go ahead. I, I said it was a busy day for those reeklings. Yeah. <laughs> Kill this. Wait, 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 wait. We just had uh, a Varwin bush humping there, I think. Yeah. He didn't want to go around and find the entrance. There, there was some, there was some bush humping <laughs> going on there. He wasn't bush humping. He was making sweet, sweet love to it. That's right. I love my hedges. <laughs> when you can love your hedges, you just can't love your hedges. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, continuing with what Mike was saying, though, I, I have to agree. And actually, I find that um, in ESO, it has one of the most interesting choices that i've ever seen in an rpg uh or at least in especially for an mmo we're at the very very end of the uh the the mages guild quest line 
it gives you a choice. And one is the moral choice, and one is the less moral choice. And no one has ever taken the moral choice. I did. Oh my god, <laughs> what is wrong with you? Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Because I was playing a moral character, and this no wonder is you thing. didn't have a, no wonder you didn't have a uh, a ranged taunt available. You didn't have the skill points. <laughs> so I had a melee taunt. I didn't really think I needed it. <laughs> and and really, that is sort of one of those things about the game that's so great, or from about that moment is so that's so great is that it really is. Do you choose what it? Do you choose the right thing? which is fully RP-based, or do you choose the thing that's going to net you two skill points, that this is the only way you get these two skill points? And I thought that that was... It's cruel for anyone who's really who really loves playing a, uh, a lawful or RP-type character. Like, it, it's absolutely cruel to sort of say, oh, here, you, you can't have these... Uh, you can't have these two skill points unless you break uh, character but it's kind of ingenious that way now you know Tal would have gotten the two skill points and a roll of cheese to go with it as he's burning down the temple (laughs) true (laughs) well I gotta say um, when it comes to you know where else do we feel the series could have added more RPG choice elements to it um, I, I kind of feel like the you know Marwind and, and Oblivion sort of hit hit the nail on the head with with what was going on. Um, a lot of those dialogue options, especially in Marwind, you know, it, Marwind it was it was a game where all you did was just read. There was no um, there wasn't a, you know voice acting like like you see in, in in Skyrim and yeah there was there was voice acting but it was few and far between. Right, right. It, there just wasn't much there and. Yeah, you know, there was there was a necessity for that. It was it was um, computers at the time, technology at the time, just wasn't going to be able to push what what Skyrim could do. So, so uh, that's the reason for that. But there's there's still a certain type of RPG charm to um, Morrowind and and Oblivion, where a lot of a lot of that game um, is is driven by by reading and by choosing. And whereas choice was still a huge component of of Skyrim, and in 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 ways, uh, in some ways, it was a bigger uh, component to Skyrim than than Morrowind and Oblivion had. Uh, that old style RPG feel uh, did kind of go out the door, and uh, going forward in in Elder Scrolls Six. Um, I, I sort of feel like simple things uh, about RPG gaming, like attributes, uh, coming back to to the game where you can um, assign how many attribute points you want to to your character. Um, not just picking, you know, should I put one point into you know health, magicka, and, and stamina, um, but rather, you know, should I should I put this into strength? Should I put this into, you know, on and on and on, of course, um, agility, sort of luck, that sort of thing. Um, I, I think there's still a market out there for for games like that. Um, 
It was something else that... Oh, uh, right. On the reading thing, what I'd like to see is kind of like what they did in Oblivion, where people actually had lives in the game. So, you know, you weren't... You wanted to go to a shop, it had to be between certain hours. And it'd be nice to have on the door, you go to click on the door, and it would pop up a little window thing that says, you know, Bosmer's Meat Market, you know, available, Mondas, or uh, Mondas to Freitas, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. You know, don't bother coming any other time. You know, just more like signs that you can read that give you information. Uh, you know, so many times... We hear this a lot that people don't read the books in ESO or in Skyrim, and there's you know they'll go online and look up how do you figure out the puzzle when the damn book is standing right there next to them, and they won't pick it up and read to figure out the puzzle. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, ESO has done a wonderful job if you read through some of the books to tell you how to figure out the puzzle, or you know to give you information. Uh, There's the lighthouse in Skyrim. That there's books there in the house describing what's going on so that you can prepare to go find that, you know, it, they've been captured by Palmer and, you know, fed to Chorus. And it's like, wow, you know, that stuff is right there. You know, there, there's books all over the game that, that describe scenes of what's happened without anybody there to talk to you or tell you. Uh, up by um, old Haradin, or, 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 yeah, I can't say its name, um, there, there's a scene where there's this couple that are dead at a campsite and there's wolves that are there dead. And you read through the journal and, you know, the the young lady was running away with her, you know, fiancé. And this is their final campsite before they were attacked by wolves. And it's like, you know, the books, you know, add so much, but you don't have to read anymore. I mean, you can see here, I mean, you, you know, got a a thing up here to tell you what to do because it wasn't voice acted in Daggerfall. Um, Yeah. And, yeah, it, it would be nice to see. You know, even if it's small things, you know, that, you know, are there. Um, Liz says, well, I'm not sure the residents of Skyrim are what we would consider big readers. Probably not, especially when you consider traditions are orally passed down through scalds in the Nordic race. But, you know, if you do go to someplace else, you know, where there are a more medieval type of thing, it would be nice to have more reading available to bring back the older... Uh, aspects of RPGs uh, to tell the player what to do or to, you know, to give a a logbook instead of just an arrow over somebody's head. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I agree. Um, there's there's a lot of charm that is that has left the the uh, the role-playing game genre. Um, as, as RPGs have become far more action-oriented, uh, it seems like a lot of the charms that that we loved about about them, and there, look, there's been a lot of improvements too. I mean, listen, you want to swing your sword in Morrowind, get get ready to roll the worst dice you've ever been handed in your life. Mm. Die by worm. <laughs> seriously, seriously, whenever I play, I'm literally just smacking the button as fast as possible because that's the way you you win those fights. Right. There's no strategy; it's all just whack 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 whack. Correct, whack. and that's not and, fun. Yeah. That's no. not fun at all. But you know what? It doesn't have to be as as difficult as it was either. You know, uh, rolling. You, you know, every every button press could mean you roll the dice, and you could still have a successful RPG in modern days. Um, however, it doesn't have to be as difficult as it was in in Morrowind either. Um, you know, tiny little things that sort of flesh out your your experience like uh remember this um having a character biography 
where oh, yeah. you just clicked on your character and you clicked on biography and you just went to town. You could just type whatever you wanted in there about your character. And, and something like that, like you could use that to help flesh out keywords that like the guards say to you or other people say to you. One of the big things that people complain about Skyrim is the, the god hero mode that you are at the end. And they're still picking on you for, you know, somebody steal your sweet roll? <laughs> fetch mead? Yeah, you know, things like that. And it's like, come on, you know, this guy literally or girl just saved the world from Alduin. He killed the vampire lord. You know, has taken on the first dragonborn and sent him, you know, to become, you know, the pa- or uh, the plaything of a Daedric lord. And probably the head of the Dark Brotherhood, head of the Thieves Guild, head of the Companions... And head of the Mages College, and you're still, you know, picking on them that you know somebody steal your sweet roll. It's like, come on. <laughs> yeah, come but you on also already. have to remember, if even at that point, if you harm that chicken, God help you, the entire province is coming down on your head. Yeah. <laughs> you you took on Alduin. It's like, my God, he just kicked, kicked cluck cluck. I I can take him. Yeah. Yeah. So things like that that I would love to see them flesh that out a bit better that you know the guards recognize you as you know a, a much more powerful being you know politically and you know physically than the way that they treat you um get out uh, i don't know if anybody has seen the the senile scribbles comic thing yes. that, that i love watching well there's one episode i think it's like episode 11 or 12 you know the guards have decided that they're going to you know you know, bully the the dragonborn, and he's wearing the full dragon bone armor. You know, just a complete badass. Oh yeah! And he kills them all, and brings the the armor to a store, and he's like, "Just give me whatever." And he's like, "Gift card or uh, thank you card added," and he's like, "Oh damn, they pooped themselves." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are that's a that's a funny comic. <laughs> yeah, but oh, it'd be yeah. nice, you know, to see that kind of like, you know. You know, keywords like you know, you saw it at the very beginning. You know, when they say, "Oh, you're a Breton," you know, or you know, "Hello, fellow uh, Bosmer," or you know, things like that. What start off really cool, but then they never progressed as to like recognizing who you are, what you right. did. You know, having having a bit of segregation in the game, having a bit of a, a bit of difficulty too, without without feeling like you're slamming your head up against a, a wall either. I mean, these are these are things that you know um, definitely need to not only make a comeback into RPGs, but need to make a comeback into into Elder Scrolls as well. You know, you fight a you, you fight a skeleton here in Daggerfall, and and it's it's a fight. You really have to fight for for every for every kill. And when you when you make that kill, you own it. Um, in in Skyrim, you know, uh, how often is it where you just swing your sword once, and and you know the the skeleton just comes apart at the seams? Yeah. All the time. It happens all the time. And, you know, whereas I, I kind of understand, you know, where they're going with that. At the same time, there there has to be some sort of uh, change between what we had in the past, especially with Daggerfall, and what we have now. Um, you know, and I keep remembering uh, things to, to bring up in this discussion that I keep forgetting them um, immediately. So um, I do I do apologize for that. Um I'd like to see like difficulty in terms of social interaction. You know, like if you go up to Windhelm and you're a dark elf, they shouldn't serve you in the Stone Quarter or in you know Candlehearth Hall. They should make you go to the to the Dunmer Quarter, or like if you go up into uh, Solitude and you're wearing 
Stormcloak armor. They should, you know, like automatic, like as if you had a bounty. You know, that kind of thing where it's like, you know, you have to be careful as to what you're wearing, oh. you know, who you're associating with, that some races are going to not even do business with you. Like, let's say, you know, you're a Dunmer and you go into the Stone Quarter and there's only one blacksmith and he's like, yeah, I'm not, you know, you're going to have to take your business elsewhere. I don't serve your kind here. You know, kind of like the droids in Star Wars. Right. Well, what I meant, uh, by, seg- <laughs> what I meant by segregation actually was... Um... Uh, faction segregation, you know, where you know, if you join, you know, the Mages Guild, you're not ever joining the Fighters Guild, not ever. And and there are certain avenues of, of maybe discussion or certain solutions um, that you're going to be completely held back from, from ever doing. Yep. Um, you're in the Mages Guild. You must be a mage. You must have... Um, uh, a tremendous amount of Magicka ability and... and that is going to cost you uh, some some physical prowess, and, and yet you find um, a, a a puzzle in which you need physical strength in order to solve it. And guess what? You're not solving it, uh, unless of course there's a magic spell that you can either create in some way that's going to give you X amount of of strength to to solve this puzzle. Ain't going to happen. So, and, or you and, bring Lydia in, and she's just like, "Yeah, move out of the way, buddy." <laughs> right? <laughs> maybe maybe that maybe that would be a way around it too. But I would love to see that sort of you know faction segregation come back to to RPGs where you know look in in Daggerfall. Okay, if I didn't answer uh, Lady Bersenia's letter here, I, I was going to be branded a traitor, and that was it. And I don't know what that would have meant for me in the game. So well, I decided to the- come. It would have meant that you would have been, if I recall, assassins would start coming after you, but also the main quest would completely break. You could never do the main quest. All right. So I assumed about the the main quest. I didn't know about the assassins. But the fact is, is that that's not going to happen to you in in modern day RPGs. And um, whereas maybe one part of this is a little too much. And, and what we have now is a little bit better in regards. I feel as if a, in in some respects, having that level of of um, um, having having that level of necessity um, to do certain things in the game is 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 necessary. You know we're. I, I think it'd be a good idea to continue with this idea of you can just completely ignore the main quest. Um, but I do think that there needs to be consequences for that. And, and maybe not having, you know, assassins come after me left and right because I ignored the main quest. But, you know, maybe I'll never be in, in high regard to, to the aristocracy that's that's in, you know, that current Elder, Scroll, Elder Scrolls game. And I have to relegate myself to a thief. Or adopt thief-like abilities because... Talking to anybody that's going to make anything easy for me is 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 just impossible because I refuse to do the main quest in the game. I, I would love to see that level of of um, um, consequence come come to come back to the game. So when I say segregation, that's what I mean. I mean factional segregation and um limiting of of options as you play the game and develop yourself further i i would like to see some of those those options um limited a little bit replayability uh, yeah 
All right. Um, before we close out this discussion point, uh, do we have anything else that we want to add to it? I'm good. No. Okay. I gotta. I gotta apologize, guys. Um, I'm very, very distracted for some reason today, and um, it's very hard for me to focus. So uh, I I apologize if I can't seem to get on with my words. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> Been there, not a problem. Yeah. <laughs> so I am sorry. Um, I'm trying to you know get my get my head back in the game a little bit today, but um, unfortunately, uh, this might be me for the rest of the uh, the evening, and I, I hope not. Um, let's uh, let's head over to the Sonarist archives with Mark. Welcome, welcome all. <laughs> okay, so, dragon breaks. Well, what is a dragon break? Dragon breaks are a way that, out, completely out of universe, because I will let Mike describe what they were and where they fit in in the game universe. Outside of everything, dragon breaks were the way of explaining uh, the multiple options that could occur within the game. So, you see, now, the Elder Scrolls, of course, you can play one of many different races, of many different classes, and you can approach the game from so many different angles. So, you can be the fighter, the thief, the mage. You can then be the healer. You can be the unarmed martial arts wielder. You can be the sneaky mage. You can be the sneaky fighter, and on and on and on. But... The question then becomes, well, what happens to you at the end of it? The question also becomes, well, what do we want? Like, what happened to your character afterwards? And unlike games where... Let's let's use Mass Effect for an example. At the end of Mass Effect, um, who Shepard is... Like, you have a picture in your head as to who Shepard is, but... Throughout the whole game, you've had to mesh your shepherd and your internal version of him or her with what is then appearing on the screen. Because Shepard has a voice of his of his or her own. And but then in in an Elder Scrolls game, the character can be whatever you want them to be. There's nothing that guides their reasoning or how they're approaching a situation other than pretty much you. So then the question always becomes, well, if my character just saved the world, what happens? What what do people think about them? So let's take a moment and take a look at Arena. Because this has nothing to do with Arena. Nothing's um, there. <laughs> Arena has no dragon breaks. Instead, in Arena, uh, Arena assumed that... Uh, or, okay, in the manual there actually was a name for your character. I think it was Talon or or something like that. I can't recall what it is offhand. And basically this character, uh, you were human, you were a male, and uh, you had a backstory where you were one of the king's trusted battle mages, I believe. Um, When you complete complete the story, you are named the Eternal Champion. And the thing is, Daggerfall, when we move forward... Now, the game also, you didn't have to play that character. You could play, uh, put in whatever name you want. You could play man, woman, any of the different races that were available. It wouldn't change how the game ran at all. 
but that was the default character if you did nothing else. You yes, just, like, the, go. The, that's yeah, the one pre- pretty much. Like that. That's what it assumed. Like the the uh, the manual actually had a story, uh, a small lead-in story where they referred to the character by name. So we get to Daggerfall, and we hear uh, a bit obliquely about the events of the Interregnum, about um, Uriel Septim the Seventh uh, getting taking back his empire after being freed freed from oblivion. But we don't hear about the Eternal Champion anymore. Uh, and the thing is, uh, for the purpose of this conversation, because I think this is kind of neat, each PC that you have in a given game generally is uh, the community seems to give a, uh, a a title name to, so that whenever we're talking about this character, this game's main protagonist, we call it this. So in Arena, it is the Eternal Champion. Daggerfall comes around, and there you play the Agent, the one character in a main series Elder Scrolls game who does not wake up in prison. Mm. There's a mod for that. Well, actually, As, I wouldn't say that, Mark. You you do wake up imprisoned wait, by circumstances. Wait, uh, that, I would say that's... <laughs> I can't stretching. get out of that prison. Yeah. Yeah, well, that no, no comment there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you've 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 taken you've taken a ship from mm-hmm. from the emperor, right? You're shipwrecked. You yeah. you, you find you find uh, a tiny little cave to hole up in, and then because of the storm, the mouth of the cave collapses in front of you, and you're trapped. Then then let me uh, let me amend my statement. It's the first only character <laughs> who doesn't find himself. Imprisoned by Imperials. Mm. There we go. I would argue further, but it'd be silly. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyway. uh, This game goes on. There's no real reference to the Eternal Champion, which kind of tells you that they realize that while it was neat on their end to have the character have his own name and then sort of let the players like, well, if you don't actually want to play the real character, the real hero. You can play whatever you want. It seems that in this, when they got to Daggerfall, they realized that, let's drop that. Whoever the player wants to be, that's the hero. And then they got to the end, and Daggerfall has, I think, six different endings, each one different and having a major result that changes the face of Tamriel. Um, And, of course, needless to say, none of these endings are... Uh, work with each other like you you can't have like whatever happens if you don't give it to give the um if you don't give the totem that controls the uh the massive golem that you'll have to activate to the emperor uh it says that the empire falls apart so clearly that's not what happens we get to morrowind and we hear nothing about it there is nothing about the Numidian being activated. There is nothing about a big uh, about it crushing all rebels across uh, across the face of Tamriel. There is nothing about the Underking, the big boogeyman supposedly rising out of nowhere and destroying it and leaving a massive anti magic zone in the the place of its destruction. Nothing, nothing at all, and. Instead, the game continues. 
and you're playing the, this time the Nervarine. And there are a couple of places where point you know you can make a decision that sort of chain would would have something you would expect would be a rather major point people would talk about. For example, you can choose whether or not you want to kill Vivek. It wasn't until Morrowind came around that uh, we actually heard the term Dragon Break. Uh, basically, I, I guess that they had gotten complaints with Morrowind that it was like, well, what happened in Daggerfall? You know, like, well, you had all these major things that were kind of important. Why don't we know what happened, especially since Morrowind happened like a decade or two after Daggerfall, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. So it seems that Bethesda's response was that, uh, you know what? All of it happened. All of it. It's, it's all there. Now, on a, uh, when I first heard that, it was like, what? That, that's got to be the, the laziest answer I've ever heard. How, how does that work? I, I can't picture how it metaphysically works. Because if all of it happened, everyone's crushing each other completely. And instead, they basically said all major factions collected the power that they needed. It have brought peace to everything because everyone got into a more settled position. And it then was the very first time, and if I the very first time we actually learned the fate of one of the characters. We knew exactly what happened to the agent. Because if everything happened, that means that there is one ending where you activate the golem without having given the control totem to someone who can use it. And the effect is that it squishes you before going on to get destroyed. Ah. So if you put... So, as a result, in-game, or in the game world, the canon fate of the agent is getting squished by the Numidian. Ugh. <laughs> so, that's awful. Yeah, it's just one of those, really? Really, that's what we're going with. Just squish. <laughs> that's what you so, want to run with. <laughs> um, the Nervarine, they decided that um, apparently went off to Akavir, I seem to recall hearing. Yep, sailed off. Yep. Uh, and as for the possibility that, the, that he killed Vivek, they just simply said that, oh, well, Vivek was simply, dis uh, Vivek was basically, he disappeared. No one knows what happened to him. So, you know, that sort of glosses things over a bit. But also in Oblivion, of course, we have the hero of Kavach, who, according to the Shivering Isles, becomes Sheagorath. Which then, once we got to Skyrim, we actually got to see seemed to pretty much be this be exactly what happened. Um, and needless to say that in Skyrim we we have a little character known as the the Dragonborn, I think it was. And Skyrim's actually the one I'm most interested in to see what happens next, because the other games seem to have a habit of trying to restrict exactly saying too too much if anything about the previous games to try it to sort of leave the room that what you did was valid 
what you did in that game happened. And just that because you're now in a completely different place years later, it's not having a huge effect here right now. You had your effect, but just there is a different situation over here. Skyrim has killed the Emperor, or maybe didn't, destroyed the Dark Brotherhood, or maybe didn't, had Skyrim seed from the Empire, or not seed from the Empire, or remain in a bit in a sort of a very uh, uneasy truce, and so on and so forth, with all these different very uh, at odds responses. Like, you... They and have to it's make not, the call. It's not just at odds, either. I mean, well, I mean, it's not... It's a lot more than just... Well, what I should say is, when, yes, at odds, but when... These are big things to be at odds about. Yes! <laughs> and it's not just, like, one tiny little thing. It's not just, like, one big thing. It's, it's a, a whole bunch of... If... if Two or three of these things were, uh, you know, find their find their uh, their resolution. It, it threatens to change not just Skyrim, but you know, potentially the entirety of of Tamriel in yeah, the future. Yeah. yeah, just look at you know, type in Tamriel map and look at the number of hits you get that are strange things that you're like, what the heck? Yeah, you know, there, there's ones where it shows Skyrim having been divided. There's uh, ones where the Empire's been divided. There's ones where Black Marsh now incorporates most of Morrowind. Uh, so all of these things have, you know, in people's head canon, you know, based on what they did do in the game, have huge consequences where, you know, you kill the Emperor. Yeah, you may have sided with the Empire during the Civil War, but, you know, everything's fallen apart because now you don't have a leader. Yeah. And who knows what the Elmeri Dominion's going to do in Cyrodiil. Or you destroy the Dark Brotherhood. Well, what happens in the next game? Because they, they have to address in some way, shape, or form the destruction of what is supposedly the last sanctuary up in Skyrim. Because yeah. that's why, uh, that's why uh, you know, why Cyrano went up there. Um, it was Cyrano, right? My brain is not working today. No, it's... Uh, um... <laughs> None of our brains are working. <laughs> to be continued when our yeah. brains are working. <laughs> uh, Cicero. Cicero, thank you. Oh, um, oh. You know, like Cicero went there because that was supposed to be the last sanctuary, the last uh, operating cell in Tamriel. So, I mean, yeah, I can imagine that. Oh well, no, it was actually this one. Well, that's still. You still then need to have an excuse for. It, it, was the Dark Brotherhood destroyed up in Skyrim? Because if Cicero, if the if the if you are still getting messages from uh, you know uh, from the Night Mother, well, you're going to have to explain why she's either up in Skyrim or if she isn't up in Skyrim. Yeah, what happened to her corpse or the remains yeah, thereof? Exactly, and it's a case of if she is if it's a case of well, she's down here. And the game is set maybe ten, five, ten years after Skyrim. Well, why isn't the Dragonborn still the uh, the listener? I think Elder Scrolls Six is is going to um, 
be a spiritual successor to the series, but I think it's going to um, uh, depart from the series in in lots of lots of respects. You know, we're not mm-hmm. going to have the Dark Brotherhood, but we might have the Morag Tong come back. Um, yeah. You know, you're not I, going to have uh, a mages and fighters guild, but, you know, yet you are at the same time. You, you know, maybe Tamriel is not going to have an emperor anymore. Um, maybe maybe it's going to have some some sort of like weird parliamentary system where, you know, there there's an emperor. There's a lot of political pull from from Valenwood. But at the same time, it has a parliamentary system where, you know, none of this really all matters anyway when you get down to brass tacks. And I think the one nice thing, if you look at ESO and what they're doing there, they're fleshing out a lot of alternative guilds. Uh, So you could become part of the Sandusk Rangers in ESO. Uh, It doesn't really give you much other than if you're in the one area, you can touch the shrine and get, you know, a boost. But, you know, that could replace the Fighters Guild in, um, you know, the next one if they hosted it in Valenwood. So we can you can see all of these different um, type of things that could replace what we know as the current Fighters Guild, Mages Guild, things like that. That we might, you know, see the Sigics of Arteum, you know, as the next Mages Guild if it's set in the Somerset Isles. Right. That's a good point. That's a very good point. So, you know, you're going to mm-hmm. get, you know, you're, 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 you're going to, you know, who knows? Who knows? This is all, this is all speculation, of course. High, high yeah. speculation. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, considering all of, all of what Mark is talking about in regards to, you know, how to legitimize things that players did in Skyrim going forward, um, they, what they might end up doing is, is legitimizing it by completely changing many of the tropes that we we associate Elder Scrolls um, with in, in the lore, anyway. I mean, I don't. When I say tropes of Elder Scrolls, I don't necessarily think they're going to remove first person or uh, ha- have you know put you on rails all of a sudden in the game. I, I'm not saying that, but you know, just just. But stuff but, that happened in Skyrim is not going to have an influence in what's the current zone that you're playing in, right? That you know, yeah. you're not, you won't have, you know. You'll you'll see the fallout of it, but you're not going to be questioning like, oh, you know, the Dark Brotherhood's here. I thought they were destroyed, or oh, the Dark Brotherhood's here. How come I'm I can be the listener now? If there's a listener in Skyrim, and you're not going to see that kind of stuff, I don't think. I think they're going to find yeah. ways to bring in a similar type of atmosphere without having to deal with many of the questions like what happened to the Mages Guild at the end of Oblivion, where. There is not a mages guild anymore. That you know, there's these these mage factions in Cyrodiil. Well, guess what? If we're not in the Empire, we don't have to worry about it. It can be anything that you know they come up with in you know this other province. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, which you know this this of course then brings me to ESO itself, which they haven't come out and stated it, but it's kind of obvious that the game itself is a dragon break. Like right. everything that's going on is inside of a massive ongoing dragon break. And the fact that, you know, like, again, the time is wonky. It started off with uh, something that literally struck at Akatosh himself. Um, your end, 
the fact of the matter is that you have a million different versions of a hero running around doing things in many different ways. And in the third and fourth era, what do we know about this period? Next to nothing. Yeah, that was yeah, another thing I was going to bring up. Close dark anchors. You'll hear Molag Balls say, "I will guarantee that no stories are written about you." Yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised at all that you know that's how they deal with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it just makes the most sense when things close down. It's just they were who the vestige was. Basically, there was just so many different options that occurred during that break that when things came together something was decided for how history turned out but the details were so messy that like with the warp in the west no one's really sure what those details were the big the big thing that points toward a dragon break on this is um the 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 fact that no one remembers any of the events at all in in the future games that they they had this this whole interregnum um not planned out but referred to and mentioned to they know something happened in the second era but they no one remembers what it was and i'm really glad that that lack of information was used to create a dragon break to say that uh, to explain away the fact that you know uh, millions of of the same hero exist in um, infinite amounts of um, uh, in infinite amounts of of parallel timelines existing together, mm -hmm. all squashed in on one realm, as Moloch Ball is trying to lift Tamriel into um, into Cold Harbor. You know, yeah. it it would be the kind of thing that Akatosh would do to to save Tamriel from Molag Ball. Akatosh would say, "Let's create one. Let's create a hero, millions of times over in multiple different planes of existence, existing simultaneously on the same plane, and then have that go after a god. It's not you that's more powerful than Molag Ball." It's all of you and Akatosh working together, <laughs> fighting mm -hmm. Molag Ball at the exact same time with these different circumstances and, and that creating the, the, the dragon break. Yeah. I, I actually have a theory. Like, I have a you know, firm belief that basically every single game is its own dragon break, which is also partly because... It justifies why the hero is a completely different person in everyone's different games. And all, then also, for an in-lore thing, why the details of exactly what happened to that during that period is a bit sketchy. Because, let's face it, the Nervarine getting him say, himself named Hortator and Nervarine is a major political upset in Morrowind. But there's nothing about it. You, you would think there would be a certain amount uh, written like, oh, and then this Argonian showed up and <laughs> became the, and, and took over, you know, like you you would think there would be something. Right. Some something to indicate that, you know, we do understand <laughs> what happened at some particular point here. And, and yet there's just nothing. Um, and and I, I sort of think that, you know, you call the you call the series the Elder Scrolls series, but. I mean, how often in these games do you actually interact with an Elder Scroll? 
Uh, I think three times, maybe four. There's five and games in the And most of them are in Skyrim. Right. There's five games in the series. I mean, you hardly ever <laughs> inter... And you have to be really specific uh, with with um, when you interact with that Elder Scroll. In Skyrim, if you're doing the main quest, you, you interact with an Elder Scroll. But, I mean, if you never played... Um, not Dragonborn. Um, Dawnguard. Dawnguard. I mean, you don't you don't interact with that one. So, I mean, why do we call it the Elder Scrolls when when you know the the Elder Scrolls are are an example of of living prophecy? They're constantly changing. What's written on those scrolls is constantly changing depending on circumstances being done in the game. Why do you call the series the Elder Scrolls when you hardly interact with them? The lore uh, and the prophecies written on them are constantly changing and evolving. The reason is because every game is a dragon break. <laughs> every game <laughs> mm -hmm. somehow finds a way to um, retcon essentially what happened in the previous games and what's going on with your last playthrough. That's that's part of the reason why they, they I think they call it the Elder Scrolls is because it, every game is a dragon break. Yep. So that's that's everything for the Sonarist archives. So I hope everyone found that somewhat interesting. Well, I certainly did, and uh, I really appreciate that, Mark. Um, that was some that was some good stuff. All right. Um, so so let's let's get a little bit more specific about about dragon breaks and the lore of of Elder Scrolls. Uh, touching on the warp of the West and going far deeper um, into into what that is. We're about to learn what exactly is the warp in the West. And then we're going to go far deeper into these dragon breaks and what exactly a, a dragon break is and um, other instances where this, this comes up in the lore. All that and more in the history of. Go ahead, Mike. Okay, so you're ready to have your minds blown. So there's actually very few in-game books, uh, so it's hard to find, but there's a ton of information. So we'll start with some in-game books. The first one called The Warp in the West, found in Oblivion. The author is Uvitis Taro. It's a report compiled for the Blades Archivist. Secret for your eyes only. Let me offer my congratulations to your lordship for his recent appointment as ambassador to the Court of Wayrest. Your lordship asked me to review the existing Blades accounts from 3rd Era, 417, concerning the Warp in the West. And for a summary of the current state of affairs there, since your lordship was in Blackmarsh serving in the staff of Admiral Sosorius at the time, you probably know that these events only from Imperial proclamations and chapel declarations, which identify the period as the Miracle of Peace. During the Miracle of Peace, according to official accounts, the formerly war-wracked Iliac Bay region was transformed overnight from a patchwork of squabbling dutcheries and petty kingdoms to a peaceful modern country of Hammerfeld, Sentinel, Wayrest, and Orsinium. The Miracle of Peace, also known as the Warp in the West, is celebrated as the product of the miraculous intervention of Stendar, Mara, and Akatosh to transform these troublesome regions into peaceful, well-governed imperial counties. The catastrophic destruction of landscape and property and the large loss of life attending upon the miracle is understood to have been tragic and beyond moral comprehension. In such an account, 
in as much as this account confirms and validates the current border of these counties and identifies the rulers and boundaries of these counties as ordained by the Nine, the Miracle of Peace serves imperial objectives of peaceful consolidation of ancient petty states and sovereigns into a manageable imperial jurisdiction. And other remarkable features of these events, mass disappearances, armies mysteriously transported hundreds of miles, or completely annihilated, titanic storms, and celestial phenomenon, apparently local discontinuities of time. Fit comfortably into the notion that these parts are these events are part of a vast, mysterious divine intervention. However, it is only the public account of these events, and as you may suspect, it conflicts with many other accounts. In short, while this explanation suits imperial policy, it has little historical validity. Your lordship should know that the Blades have concluded there is no plausible historical account of these events, and disappears that have despairs that a plausible historical account shall never be produced. The Blades have concluded that a miracle occurred, insofar as the events are unexplainable. But the Blades strongly doubt the miracle was of divine origin. There is a good reason to believe that the ruling families of our far four modern Iliac Bay counties have forewarned the event. There is also some evidence that some of these ruling families may have directly or indirectly responsible for the event. We do not know the exact sequence of actions that produced the event, although we are confident that the totem's artifact was involved and that a Blades agent was involved in employing that artifact. We unfortunately lost contact with that agent immediately after the event. This report might have gone some way to resolving the contradictory and paradoxical accounts of the events. The Blades have a few reports from agents dating from the Warps of the West period. Most of our agents were lost in the initial dislocations, and others were lost in the confusion after the event. I present a few of these reports to give you a general sense of their limitations, including the report of your diplomatic predecessor, Lord Strau. You have had some access to other private and rumored accounts of the period. I believe you will agree that these documents raise more questions than they answer. So the first report, the report of Hammerfeld by Agent Briarbird. I was on assignment in the Alakir Desert, a few miles south of Bregman, on the 9th of Frostfall. I was encamped. As it was early in the morning, when I felt the ground shake so violently, I was thrown off the ground. Dazed, I was aware that a great roar of a sandstorm, which alarmed me, as I had been on a high dune and had seen nothing like it on the horizon. It was on me before, before I was even on my knees, burying me and my camp. When I crawled my way out of the sand, I realized that I must make haste and get to Brigma as soon as possible, as all of my food and water had been swept away. The sun was just rising as I began. Like I said, when I reached Brigma, it was nightfall. The town was in chaos, filled with soldiers of Sentinel, and Lord Bergama's fortress was in ruins. There had been an attack, but no one had seen it, only an invasion that followed it. The soldiers of Queen... Akarthi of Sentinel refused to interview, to be interviewed about how they had accomplished this sneak attack. 
But I came to learn that the whole of Northern Hammerfell now belonged to them. Even stranger, I discovered that my walk from sunrise to sundown had taken me not one day, but two. It was now the eleventh day of the month, not the tenth. I had lost a day somewhere, and so apparently had everyone else, except for Akarthi's soldiers, who somehow were aware of the correct date. I since have concluded that they had received advance warning, and were some were better prepared to deal with the strange confusion of time and dates associated with the warp. The Report of High Rock Agent Grey Lady I was at the time of the warp undercover as a witch of the Skifton Coven of Phalergia in Central High Rock. In order to give my report, I had volunteered for an expedition to gather supplies, which would allow me the freedom to reach my contact in Camlorn. I was traveling northeast along the foothills of the Rothgarian Mountains on the 9th of Frostfall, when I felt a great heat behind me, like a fire. I turned, but I regret to say I cannot tell you what I saw. The healers tell me my eyes were burned out of their sockets. I think I must have fallen into a state of semi-consciousness, for I distinctly remember falling as the ground seemed to give way beneath me. Then there was a series of explosions in the distance, to the south, and I heard a high whistling noise that were that were getting louder, coming closer. I had my shield with me, and fortunately anticipated that volleys of some sort were falling from the sky. Though I could not see them, I could hear them coming from a distance away, and was able to use my shield to block them from striking me. The assault stopped suddenly, and I could smell smoke. I learned later that most of the forest had caught fire, and an inferno had started further south in the Dania and the Elysian Hills. Unfortunately, I kept my bearings and moved north, finally reaching a temple in the wilderness where my wounds were healed as well as they could be. It was there that I learned that there had been a three-way clash between Daggerfall, Wayrest, and Orsinium, not far from where I had been, and that the land midway between their kingdoms had been decimated. The interesting thing is that this is basically the only in-game description that we have of the uh, the destruction of the Numidian. Um, because in every single one, uh, just about every single one of the potential endings for Daggerfall, uh, the Numidian, which was the the goal, the Dwemer Golem that um, Tiber Septim had used to conquer uh, the rest of Tamriel, of Tamriel, um, basically is brought back, is working again, and it sent out conquerors the surrounding areas where it's used to conquer the rest of the empire. And then the under King whose heart is being used to power it rises up and destroys it to kill himself. And in the destruction, it basically destroys all the magic in an area. So basically what the gray lady here is, is what gray lady here is commenting on is seeing about five different versions of the Numidian exploding all at once. Wow. Wow. And (laughs) yeah, like four or five versions of this golem exploding all at once and being peppered with the, with uh, the remains of it. Hmm. That's uh, some more of these. This is probably, I've, you know, I think I've usually skipped over this book because it's not, I don't think it's in Skyrim, but, um, it's in Oblivion. I'm pretty sure. It is sure Oblivion, it... yeah. And it's huge, and it's a multi-chapter, like, book. 
Yeah. So the next one is from the report of Ambassador Lord Nigon Strahl. His Imperial Majesty had sent me on a delicate errand, the details of which I cannot convey in this unsecure report. But my official capacity was to be the Emperor's ambassador to the court of Wayrest. From there, I was to meet with an old friend, Lady Brissina, who was already in the vicinity. Foregoing any attempt at stealth, I was on an Imperial barge sailing westward on the Bolger the morning of the 9th of Frostfall. I remember it was a slightly chilly day, but the sky was very blue. We had just passed the delightful riverside village of Candlemass when the captain sounded the alarm. There in front of us was a colossal wall of water, at least 30 feet high. It smashed our barge to splinters before any of us had a chance to react. I woke up on the shore, having been rescued by one of my servants who had miraculously not lost consciousness. He and I and one other man were the only survivors. I thought at first that it was suspiciously similar to what happened to other agents of ours in High Rock a short time before where a freak storm had shipwrecked them, him in the Iliac Bay near Privateer's Hold. Furious and determined to see if similar forces were at work, I began a quick march to Wayrest. This is hilarious for me to hear right now, because I'm literally playing all of this. I just walked out of the court from Wayrest. I just spoke to Lady Brisenia. You know, I mean, the, the, the backstory that you're talking about now about a person getting shipwrecked is, is my character's backstory. It's your character's, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, yep. it's, it, it's hilarious. I'm sorry to interrupt. I just, just the, the uh, <laughs> I'm just having so much fun hearing about this. <laughs> the march, however, was not terribly quick. The villages all along the Bolse were on fire and battles raged between the orcs of Orsinium and the soldiers of King Edwir in the formerly independent principality principality of Galvadon, just east of Wayrest. I am an accomplished mage and quite able to defend myself, but it took the better part of a week to make it those few miles to Wayrest. King Edwir and his queen, Baron Zaya, were celebrating their great victories when I arrived. By then, I had gathered the barest facts of the matter, that simultaneously there were seven great battles in the Iliac Bay, and no one could describe them at all. Only their blood-soaked aftermath. To summarize, on the 9th of Frostfall, there had been 44 independent kingdom, counties, baronies, dukedoms surrounding the Iliac Bay. If one includes the unconquered territories of the Rothgarian Mountains and the Dragontail Mountains, the High Rock Seacoast, the Isle of Belfir, and the Alakir Desert. On the 11th of Frostfall, there were but four, Daggerfall, Sentinel, Wayrest, and Orsinium. And all the points where they meet lie in ruins as the armies continue to do battle. I was determined to find the truth from the king, even if I had to be the most undiplomatic diplomat to do it. Edwir had generally jovial sort, had blustered, saying he did not want to give out military secrets. The queen, ever calm with those unreadable red eyes of hers, told me, we do not know. I think it is safe to assume that Baron Zaya did not tell me everything, but the facts of her story, which I later verified after pointed interviews after pointed interviews in Daggerfall, Sentinel, and Orsinium, was that they had learned that a certain powerful ancient weapon was going to be activated. I shan't give the name of it here. Out of fear that it would be used against Wayrest, the king had attempted to buy it from the young adventurer who had discovered its whereabouts. Edwir believed that it believed as it turns out, quite rightly, that other powers in the bay had also attempted to win ownership of the device. 
What happened then, as Baron Dias said, we do not know. The morning of the 9th and the morning of the 11th somehow merged through some sort of magical warp in the west, and Wayrest found themselves at war. Their land had expanded threefold, but they were under attack by Daggerfall to the west, Orsinium to the east, and Sentinel to the south. There had been no time to understand what had happened, the king said. They had simply reacted, sending their armies to defend their lands against these enemies whose kingdoms had also gained gate territorial advantages. The battle continued on. Now, months later, I have returned to the Imperial City to make my report. What more do I have to say? They are bloody, violent clashes, as is always the case for modern warfare. But I have been to the blackened, desolate no-man's land between the four kingdoms. No mortal army could cause that devastation. I can say that the force that shook the Iliac Bay on the 10th of Frostfall, 3rd era, 417, was infinitesimally greater than the power these mighty kingdoms were wielding today. I can say that there were other strange events on that day that kept the kingdoms from breaking free from the Empire and accomplished likely most and accomplished likely more besides. And I can say that there is nothing left of it, the power of this weapon, in the bay. The warp has created it created swallowed it up. So those hmm. are the reports. And then we get to the strangeness, I guess is the best way to call it. <laughs> so the the book is called Where Were You When the Dragon Broke? And it's by Mark's favorite author, Anywhere. Oh, yay. It's a Michael Kirkbride. I, so, I, I've, I've heard of this or seen it around. I, I, thought, I, I thought I saw it in game, but... Um, that that can't be true. Um, it, it must be it must be something that I must have seen this like online at some. Yeah, point. I mean, I don't know. I don't think it can be found in game, but it's you know the kind yeah. of thing where it's written as if it is in game, right? So it's kind of cool. Uh, so it talks about a number of different dragon breaks. So see where you can pick up here. First era, one thousand two hundred to two thousand two hundred eight. The dragon break. Scala priest of the Elysian Order tamper with the dragon god of time a fanatical set of the Elysian order the Marukati selective becomes frustrated by ancient Aldmeri traditions still present within the theological system of the eight divines specifically they hated that hated any admission that Akatosh the supreme spirit was indisputably also Auriel the elven high god newly invented rivals were utilized to disprove this theory to no avail Finally, the secret masters of the Moroki Selective channeled the Anubis itself to mythically remove those aspects of the dragon god they disapprove of. A staff or tower appears before them. The secret masters danced upon it until it wreathed in terror and trembled and spoke its proto-mythic. The tower split into eight pieces and time broke. The non-linearity of the Dawn Era had returned. Tamriel slept through the disaster, which lasted 1,008 years, until the pieces of the tower came to rest on the mortal plane. Every creature on Tamriel, Tamriel remembers the dragon break in some fashion. To most, it is a spirit, spiritual anguish that they cannot account for. Several texts survive of the timeless period, all unsurprisingly conflicting with each other, regardless of the events, people, regions, 
Wars are mentioned in some that never happened in another. The sun changes colors depending on the witness. Wow. And the gods either walk among the mortals or they don't. Even the 1,008 years, a number, some say arbitrarily, chosen by the Elder Council, is an unreliable measure. Where, Whether or not the secret masters of the Murakati sect were successful is unknown, and any record of their survival were destroyed by the War of Righteousness that ended the Elysian Orders a hundred years later. So then it gives a number of accounts here. So, Corax Cyrodiil, Elder Council. No one understands what happened when the Selective danced on the tower. It would have easily been easy to dismiss the whole matter as nonsense were it not for the Amulet of Kings. Even the Elder Scrolls do not mention it. Let me correct myself. The Elder Scrolls cannot mention it. When the Moth Priests attuned to the Elder Scrolls, to the timeless time, their glyphs, their glyphs always disappear. The Amulet of King. However, it is... However, with its oversoul of emperors can speak of it at length. According to the Histra, Cyrodiil became an emperor across the stars. According to Shorel, Cyrodiil became an egg. Most say something in a language that they can only speak sideways. The council has collected texts and accounts from all of its provinces, and they only offer stories that never coincide, save on one point. All the folk of Tamriel during the Middle Dawn, in whatever wind they are caught in, tracked the fall of the eight stars, and that it is how they counted their days. So, from Mara Nessie Dunmer, Tribune or Tribune Mistress of the New Temple. Accounts of the Middle Dawn are the process of the Empire of Men, the proof of the deceit that call themselves the Adra. Uh, well, Eight ho- stars. Hold on, Mike. What do you what do you make of that of of that last one? The uh as to why the Elder Scrolls can't see the Amulet of Kings? Yeah, what, what do you make? And why of? whenever they refer to it it's kind of like you know So have you ever seen uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell? No. I I'm talking in general though about about how the dragon uh, where were you when the dragon broke? Oh. So we're yeah. still on that, but this is the the one account. But you know, the magic that they use in that other story, you know, goes on to the fact that you can never talk about uh, the the thing that holds the power. So you know, is it the fact that these people cannot read in the Elder Scroll because of the about the Emperor or the uh, the Amulet of Kings because the power that holds the Amulet of Kings prevents it, or because it exists outside of the time that the Elder Scrolls can actually foresee? Um, yeah, it, it's overall, like all of these is really cool and interesting things because they bring into effect, um, how we can talk about the Elder Scrolls games, I guess that this 1008 years that, you know, shapes things and allows the different races to interact and have their belief system and the belief systems that, you know, are directly in opposition to each other. I mean, we talked about, you know, um, uh, one of our first episodes about Ariel and uh, Akatosh and uh, uh, Lorcan and uh, um, Shore, how, you know, they're looked on as different based on which group uh, they're part of. Right. 
Um, but you know, it, it, it's an interesting concept that you know, when you look at all of these, uh, you know, they this entire concept can be used to describe what the character is seeing and what each of the races believes. Um, and, and and I'm really you know, I find this incredibly interesting here that the Amulet of Kings can't really be talked about in the Elder Scrolls. That's so weird. <laughs> and, you know, then you look at ESO you know, all these years later and, you know, the fact that, you know, the use of the, the Amulet of Kings causes the events of ESO and it's like, ooh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there's, there's, so Moth Priests actually have an inability to, to talk about the Amulet of Kings in in any in, Elder Scroll. Yeah. I except for I would point out the prophet himself got his knowledge, well, yes, from being involved, but also how to fix it from an Elder from the Elder Scrolls. But also it's after the time that he used the Amulet of Kings. Right. And, and you know, went from being the the emperor to but the, becoming the thing a is, mob priest. Use, using the using the um, using the amulet almost destroyed him due to blasphemy. So the fact that he used it probably would not then suddenly give him power to read about it. He was no, also because he he wasn't supposed to. It's like this is this is sort of why I I always give. Um, this stuff very uh, i don't take it oh, like uh i'm you know i actually yeah, i'm gonna mark, hold my gotta, comments to the end you gotta <laughs> look at it from the fact that you know a he probably gained that knowledge while he was in cold harbor so he was completely removed from tamriel and b you also got to understand about there's some sort of like weird time space um relativism here where he could have technically been in this dragon break bubble where he could have learned about this while in that bubble protecting him from any other um any other any other problems uh from it not being in in those elder scrolls in the first place it's only after the interregnum is over from what i understand from mike that it, it goes back to normal <laughs> that that ever that you can't um, apparently, talk about the Amulet of Kings in in an Elder Scroll. I, and so, I, I get that. I I just feel yeah. that it's partly the reading of this that is then informing our interpretation of that. And since this isn't really can't like again, I'll I'll hold my comments on this until the end. Um, right. Right. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 I it's it's interesting stuff. But again, like I, it's just sort of my general issues with a lot of what Kirkbride does with this is it just gets. Yeah. Anyway, continue, Mike. <laughs> I see where you're going with it, though, Mark. I, yeah. Yeah, no. I, I hear you. You can't necessarily use, you know, Kirkbride's work in order to explain canon in in Elder Scrolls because Kirkbride stuff is not canon anyway. So it's exactly. No, like, but you some can of, some of it use it as. You yeah. can look at it as, you know, depending on when it was written as part of the canon, but it's not in-game canon. That's the thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, like, he, I don't think you can look at Coda now that, you know, he's no longer affiliated with Bethesda 
as anything associated with the Elder Scrolls other than fan fiction. But some of this other stuff, which was written while he was still part of the company, you know, it, it, it definitely, you know, you have to wonder, you know, how does it fit? Because it was written. But like the thing is, the Dragon Break stuff was all written after he had left the company. Because the Dragon Break stuff didn't come up until Oblivion came out and he left the company partway through the creation of Morrowind. Oh, wow. And and they work some of his stuff back in. I fully, you know, and I fully give, like, there is some good stuff in here. It's just, I always take it with a grain of salt, especially when he gets metaphysical. Which is all the time. Yeah, and the moment he just starts throwing out gibberish, it, it, that's about the point where it's like, okay, this this is no good. This is just uh, all right, guys. Um, anyway, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, I gotta. I uh, ooh, we got ten minutes left. Yeah, we got ten <laughs> minutes here. We're having a big conversation. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So okay. I just want to get through these last two things here. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, so, uh, okay, so uh, back here. So the uh, Tribune. Mistress of the New Temple. Counts of the Middle Dawn are the province of the um, province of the Empire of Men, and proof of the deceit they call themselves the Aedra. Eight stars fell on Tamriel, one for each, inequity that Lorcan made clear to the void to the world. Valoth read these signs and he told Boethia, who confirmed them, and he told Mafala, who made wards against them, and he told Azura, who sent Elm Sivi to steer the true folk clear of harm. Even the cor- four corners of the House of Troubles rose to protect the, the periphery of your madness. We watched our borders and saw them shake like snakes and saw you run around in it like the spirits of old, devoid of math, without your if slash then, succumbing to the na- ever now like slaves of the slim folly status. Do not ask us where we were when the dragon broke, for all of the world only we truly knew. And... We might just show you how to break it again. And then from this Khajiit tender to the main, do you mean where were the Khajiits when the dragon broke? Rillette tells you you were you were recording it. One thousand eight years, you heard it. You'd think the Cyril Nords came up with that all on their own. The humans are better thieves than even Rajin. While you were fighting wars and phantoms and giving birth to your own fathers, it was the main who that watched the ka, the Jakaji because the moons were the only constant. You didn't have the sugar to see it. We'll give you credit. You broke Akatash, something fierce, and that is not easy. Just don't think you solved what you accomplished by it or can ever solve it. You did it with your big walker, not once, not twice. Once in ramen, which we'll never learn to live with. The second time was in Daggerfall, or was it Sentinel, or Wayrest, or was it all three places at once? Get me, Cyrodiil. When you wake up, you will realize what happened to the dwarves. So, with all of this, you know, one of the things that they're hinting at is the events of, you know, that lead up and include... Um, Morrowind, huge dragon break, and then what happened to the Dwemer? Another huge possible dragon break. Wow! <laughs> oh man, you weren't kidding, Mike, with the mind blown thing. Oh yeah, yeah. no, I, I I can see that. I wow. can see that 
the, the Dwemer messed with stuff they weren't supposed to. And I, I can imagine that something like a dragon break, you know, wiped them out. So there's, you know, huge amounts of stuff here. There's another one that's in uh, online right now that's Vindication of the Dragon Break. We're not going to get time to it. Another one, Welcome to the New Almeria Regulars. And then a last one here, uh, Vex Book of Hours Concerning the Dragon Break. And then Sermon Zero. And then Dragon Break at Red Mountain. All of which deal with the metaphysics of the Dragon Break. But in our last remaining minutes here... I don't think we're going to get to them, so why don't maybe we, another time why don't, we'll come yeah, back and revisit this question. How about yes. how about uh, the next episode? Um, we can we can sort of like finish up the history of a little bit, and and maybe kind of you know go go into some of the other things that maybe we didn't have time for um, in regards to like you know the the history of. Okay, I mean, you you think we might be able to do something like that? Oh, I think so. You think so? What yeah. about what about you, Mark? Do you think you might be able to um, you know continue the uh, the Dragon Break discussion um, in the Sonaris Archives next episode? Uh, I might be able to come up with some more stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um. All right. So let's we'll actually do a part one and part two of this Dragon Break stuff. Um. And this with this being part one, because I mean we could we could go on. We really could. I, I lost. Yeah, I've got like three more pages of notes <laughs> I, I know i mean i mean this is in in the five years of podcasting this is the first time i actually lost track of time completely funny because we're talking about dragon breaks <laughs> <laughs> how funny is that um okay we we do have a fast question of the week um I, we'll i'll tell you that, i think what's that we'll save that i think right why don't we save that and then let's let's talk um very briefly we want to just present this um, our our crafting table, okay, which is dagger uh, dagger fall skeletons. Um, now this is a, a mod for uh, Skyrim Special Edition uh, by Juicy One. That's J U S E one, J U S E Y, and the number one. And basically, what this does it's called dagger fall skeletons. Okay. This mod adds in the skeleton sounds from Taggerfall to Skyrim skeletons. Uh, this is the original purpose of the mod, but there's more now. Uh, tougher skeletons using an idea from a previous skeleton mod from for original Skyrim. The skeletons will also not only be tougher, but have the ability to resurrect unless they were turned to ash. So basically... Uh, they are no longer easy to kill and are much tougher. Simple general idea that has been done before, but not updated to Skyrim Special Edition. So here it is. Again, that's called Daggerfall Skeletons, a Skyrim Special Edition mod by Juicy1, J-U-S-E-Y, the number one. Uh, Mike, you had added this to the notes. I mean, did you, did you actually yeah. play this? No, I did not. Uh, I looked up stuff for, you know, what kind, you know, since we're doing Daggerfall right now, I always like to, to keep a theme together here. And, yeah. you know, so I looked up stuff, you know, that might give, you know, regards to the Dragon Break or things like, you know, associated with Daggerfall. Uh, there's all kinds of, like, overhaul mods and stuff for Daggerfall, but I saw this one. I'm like, oh, this is small. It's easy. It's nice. It fits into the fact that we're all playing Skyrim again. Let's bring the skeletons of Daggerfall into Skyrim. Absolutely. All right, so we're going to... Um, so again, Daggerfall Skeletons, folks. You may want to check that out. Um, 
Okay, we've got we've got this one email here. This comes from Justin. Uh, we should be able to to knock this out in just a second or so. Uh, Justin says, "Good evening, Elder Scrolls off the record peoples. Sorry it's been a while, but I wanted to finish both challenges completely before riding. So my sneak mage is finally finished, and to be honest, it sounds a lot like a Varwin sneak mage, but with two slight changes." First, instead of destruction, I chose a two-handed longsword that I never used. At level 46, when she retired, that ability was maybe at 40, probably less, and added conjuration. The ability to frenzy all your enemies until one is left standing, and then raise their former comrades as zombies or throw an Atronach at their feet generally worked well enough. My favorite moment was accidentally charging into a bandit camp and throwing pacify on everyone. The, <laughs> that's funny. The bandit leader looked at me and yelled, Hey, I didn't ask you to magic me, as he calmly holstered his sword and sat back down. Lydia and I killed the closest bandit, then raised him to fight the next, and so on and so on, until the whole camp was clear. That's actually a very clever way of, of doing the sneak mage thing. I like that. Uh, Justin goes on to say, as for the next challenge, level 10 times with no magic or healing or cheap leveling. I added no fast travel of any kind except for buying a mount, and if I pass by a cave or ruin, visual range, I have to clear it. So I made a new Nord Warrior, and I was going great until I got to level 8. That's when I got the transmute spell and mindlessly started casting it until I realized what I was doing and stopped. I do this for all my characters. From that, I gained two levels from alteration and smithing. My character uses no magic in combat, and I ended up forgetting that I had smithing leveled, so none of my items are or were crafted. So, from level 10 to level 20, I was finally completed. I finally completed last night, and I like this character. I'm going to keep him. Currently, he is level 20 in Iverstead, about to turn in the horn of Jurgen Windcaller. When I came out of the inn, someone told me I didn't look so good, and sure enough, I contracted vampire's disease. Do I want this? Nope. When I when did I con when I con when did I contract uh, when did I when did I get this disease? I have no idea. Do I do I have a cure disease potion? Nope. Where is the nearest shrine? I don't know, Rifton. How much time until I turn? I don't know. Well, that's where he's sitting for now, and he's, he's a ton of fun. Thank you for coming up with these challenges. Thank you for all your hard work. Sorry for the overly long email. Justin. Uh, Mark, what, what do you say about, about some of Justin's uh, gameplay here? He, he leveled up his... Uh... His craft, his magic, and his crafting start again. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Good Burn job. this character. <laughs> yes, burn him. No, I, I think that that's that that's good. I mean, that's a fun way to play. Um, yeah, I mean, like this is the fun part about the game is you can really approach it and however you want, and it, you can find so many different ways that makes it feel new or just changes the feel of it. Oh, yeah. But you do have to be careful because sometimes you, you just find yourself slipping. And, uh, like, I know myself, um, I have to be careful with what mods that I put on because sometimes I just find that 
I completely lose the plot of what I'm doing and start getting bored because there's just so many mods piled on that it, 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 it oh, yeah. it's like I can't find anything to focus on. All right. Anymore. Agreed. All right. We got 10 yep. seconds, folks. We're going to uh, close out the show in, in, in short order real quick. Uh, good night, everyone. Thank you for tuning night. in. All right. Night. Uh, Mike. Mark. Night. night. All right. Take care, everyone. Have a good night. Oh!